Good morning, Forward City. I hope you guys are well this morning. I get the privilege of filling in for Pastor Mark this morning by sharing with you what God has been putting on my heart over the last while. Mark's been walking us through this series called I Choose. So far, he's covered topics like I choose discipline over regret, I choose purpose over approval. Last week, he shared with us, I choose surrender over control. Today, I want to tackle the topic of discipleship. I'm going to call this message, I choose commission over omission. Imagine with me for a moment that you were given the opportunity to say one last thing to your loved ones before you leave. What would you say to them? Of course, you'd want to leave them with something profound, meaningful, and heartfelt. I would want my last words to leave a lasting impact and say something about my character. Moments before his death, John Wayne leaned over to his wife and whispered, You are my girl, and I love you. Raphael, the famous Italian artist, he left us with the word happy before departing. And the Terminator, well, he coined that famous phrase that we've all mouthed in the mirror at some point or other, I'll be back. Of course, he was back with like three or four more installments of those movies. Last words are very important because they are so meaningful or instructional. This brings me to the last words Jesus spoke to his disciples before ascending to heaven. We call these words the Great Commission. Jesus had been teaching the disciples for roughly three years and left them with a marching order for what to do now that he would not physically be with them anymore. He tells them in Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 to 20, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all the things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Though Jesus was speaking directly to his disciples, these words are given to every follower of Christ as a command. Simply put, our job as disciples is to make disciples. Today, I want us to reflect on whether or not we are doing our part in taking up the Great Commission by making disciples, or have we treated this command as a suggestion? omitting altogether our call to make disciples. Really, guys, there is no middle ground on this one. Jesus made it pretty black and white. We must choose between commission or omission. In studying discipleship, we must first have a good understanding of what it means to be a disciple. In the context of our faith, being a disciple is someone who learns from Jesus to be like Jesus. It's not good enough just to learn about who Christ is, but to put that knowledge into practice by doing what he did, living a life of obedience to his Father, loving everyone he came in contact with, resisting temptation, serving others, and sharing the good news. Being a disciple means to literally follow Christ by imitating his word, words and actions as a model for others to follow. For today's message, I'm going to assume that you are a disciple of Christ, just for the sake of being able to dive deeper into discipleship. If you're not yet a disciple of Christ, we can help you with that, and we'd love to hear from you. 
you can email us at info at forwardcity.ca or you can connect with us through our Facebook page. Now that we've established what it means to be a disciple, let's look back at some of the key components of the verse to see what it takes to make a disciple. As I've stated a couple times now, the Great Commission is a command. We see that right away when Jesus uses the word go. To go is the opposite of stay. Mark often says that Jesus does not call us to a recliner. Though some days it'd be nice if he did. When we receive Jesus as our Lord and Savior, when the gospel impacts our lives to the degree that it should, we should be propelled and encouraged to speak to others about Jesus. The problem is, sometimes we receive Jesus and he becomes our best kept secret. For many years, this was me, which makes me think that many of us have found too much comfort in the pew. I kept Jesus to myself, knowing full well the reality of the eternity for someone who decided not to choose Jesus as their Lord and Savior. When Andrew, one of the twelve, heard that Jesus had been proclaimed as the Son of God, he went and he told his brother Simon, later called Peter, and brought him to Christ. He was taking up the command of going before it was even a command. I remember hearing this story about a blind man. A missionary doctor operated on him, removing the cataracts from his eyes. He went back home, rejoicing that he had received his sight again. A few weeks later, he came back to the hospital, this time holding a rope to which other blind men clung to. He had led them to the place where he had received his sight. Should we attempt to do any less with our faith? For so long, many of us have become complacent in our faith. We've missed out on opportunities to share our faith with friends that we've known for years. We've relied on the corporate church to draw people to Jesus instead of speaking with others outside the confines of our four walls. We've given more time to our hobbies than to sharing with others how Christ has changed our lives. We've received sight. But unlike the blind man in the story, our rope is empty. Ask yourself today, have I looked for opportunities to go out into my community to share the good news? Or has fear, complacency, or the busyness of life prevented me from doing so? Once we've begun begun going out into our communities to share the gospel, we are then called to make disciples. I think this aspect of the commission is the most difficult and often the most misunderstood. For too long, the corporate church has viewed the salvation of an individual as the end game, when really it should be viewed as the starting point. Salvation is a one-time effort, whereas discipleship is a lifelong journey. I'll use an example of a lifeguard. When a lifeguard rescues a drowning victim, they don't throw them up on the pool deck and leave them to their own devices. Yes, they've been rescued. But oftentimes, shock, fear, and panic is still very much a reality for the person who has been rescued. They may even need CPR and breath breathe back into them. A good lifeguard stays with the victim and monitors their vitals and waits for reinforcements such as EMS to come. We need to operate like the good lifeguard who just doesn't leave the rescued soul on the pool deck, or even the pool for that matter, floundering for help. 
Discipleship is not conversion. It's not about the rescue. It's about the relationship and how to live this new life in Christ. Discipleship requires daily praying. It requires check-ins. It requires care, patience, commitment, and sacrifice. Discipleship is doing life alongside someone and expecting good days and bad days because that's the reality of our faith, hilltop moments and valley moments. For years, I attended church. I committed my life to Christ at an early age and was involved in three youth groups. I played on the worship team and taught vacation Bible school. I loved Jesus, but he often hovered between acquaintance and friend. He definitely wasn't my best friend. It wasn't until I started meeting up with Mark about five years ago did my faith begin to show fruit. He encouraged me with Bible verses and kindness, welcoming me into his home and buying me more coffees than I can count. He kept me accountable by simply asking me what I was reading in God's Word and how it was impacting my life. He made my marriage better by modeling what it looked like to have a healthy marriage, and he made sure I was taking Becky on dates and making her feel special. He showed me how Christ saw me, a man with an arsenal of gifts and the ability to lead. This was discipleship. This is what I was missing. This is what we are called to do. Jesus also called us to baptize those whom we make disciples. I've always appreciated at Forward City that we don't reserve the rite of baptism solely for the pastor. If we are all called to baptize people who we help lead to Christ through the work of the Holy Spirit, why is it that we don't participate in their baptism? Isn't that what we're called to do? Notice also that baptism does not come before the instruction to make disciples, but after it. It's the first aspect of making disciples, not a prerequisite for discipleship. If becoming a disciple of Jesus means dying to your old life and walking in newness of life with Christ, as Jesus taught, then it's almost inevitable that the symbolic act of the conversion should come to signify a death and resurrection. If you've not been baptized as a believer, we encourage you to do so. Talk to someone who's been influential in your faith. We want to celebrate with you, and baptisms at Forward City are certainly a celebration. Paul says in Romans chapter 6, 3 and 4, All of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death. We were buried therefore with him by baptism into death, so that as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Baptism signifies in an outward way what it means to become a disciple, death to self-reliance, and a new life of faith following Jesus. The last aspect of the Great Commission is to teach obedience. We are called to teach them to obey everything Jesus commanded us to do. Obedience requires us to submit to God's authority. I've got three young boys and teaching obedience is, well, it's difficult. It certainly does not come overnight and I'm learning it will be a lifelong process. You'd think that teaching a kid not to pick their nose and eat it would be easy and require maybe one or two warnings. Definitely not the case. Obedience is trusting in Jesus Christ. Failure to put one's trust in Him potentially leads to idolatry. It displeases God. 
Both the Old and New Testaments of the Bible are littered with stories that emphasize the need and importance of obedience to God and to His Word. The difficult part lies in the fact that obedience does not necessarily lead to a life of bliss. Think of the disciples. They suffered at the hands of those who were opposed to God's will. Many of them died horrible deaths because of their obedience. One of my favorite pastors once wrote, When you suffer and lose, that does not mean you are being disobedient to God. In fact, it might mean you're right in the center of His will. The path of obedience is often marked by times of suffering and loss. Obedience is tough because we often want immediate results and we live in a world that promotes self-reliance. I don't know how many times I've heard the words, I've tried God, but he didn't help me with my financial problems. I've tried God, but I still couldn't seem to get over my porn addiction. I've tried God, but doing what he wanted me to do was too hard. The Great Commission can really be summed up to going where God calls us to go in order to make disciples through baptism, teaching, and obedience. Some of us have taken up this call and are living out the Great Commission in our daily lives. You've come alongside men and women and children not stopping at salvation and have been obedient in making disciples. I see this happening at Forward City through life groups and through one-on-one discipleship. Sadly, though, this is not the reality in the corporate church today. In a North American poll conducted across Christian churches, only one quarter of Christians believed discipleship to be relevant. Only 20% of active churchgoers in North America are involved in some type of discipleship activity. If these statistics are true, and I believe they are, why are we not making disciples? What is preventing you from coming alongside someone in their faith and doing life with them? I can only speak about my own experience and tell you what hindered me from being a disciple maker and how I went from omission to commission. It first began with prayer. When God truly gets a hold of your life and you understand the love and grace showered upon us by Christ, you want others to experience that same love. Last summer, I prayed for God to open up the opportunity to share my faith with someone on my volleyball team. That very day, God answered my prayer. A new guy on the team recognized me from church and began asking me about my faith. Inwardly, I laughed to myself at the goodness of God. He had answered my prayer and was gracious enough to allow the other guy to start the conversation. I was willing and able to go have a conversation even though fear told me that no one would listen or that I was wasting my time. I didn't even need to think about where to start or how to reach this guy. The Holy Spirit worked out the details. I just had to be obedient to Christ's call for me to go. Since that first conversation, we began meeting up once a week to pray, read God's Word, and share our successes and our shortcomings. Some conversations, they've been heavy, and some days it can feel like one step forward and two steps back, but God never ceases to amaze me. I'm being obedient to teach my friend about Christ through his word and through my own experiences. The accountability we share has been just as impactful in my life as it has been in his. 
It's incredible to see what the Holy Spirit can do through us if we are obedient, if we are obedient to the call just to go. Just a few weeks ago, I was blown away when my buddy asked if he could bring his friend to our Thursday night hangouts. His friend was curious about faith and had some questions to ask. It was incredible to see my friend share his faith when the three of us met up to talk. My experience has taught me that discipleship definitely has a domino effect. When you remove yourself from the game, the next person in line doesn't get hit. This discipleship has also been so beneficial for my own faith. I'm accountable to read the Word of God and to be an example. I've been encouraged by watching God reveal Himself to my friend in more ways than one. I'm also learning through this process to become more dependent on God, which has been a struggle I have had since I'm someone who tends to like control. Discipleship does not just grow the faith of the person being discipled. I often think that I'm learning and growing just as much as my friend is. We need to treat the Great Commission as a command. Find out what is preventing you from being a disciple maker and ask God for the boldness to step out in faith with the gospel. At Forward City, we've been encouraging our people to have a plus one. Essentially, we want to inspire everyone to be intentional with one person this year in terms of either care, evangelism, or discipleship. If you've not done that yet, do it. You are missing out on the opportunity to be a blessing and to be blessed. Mark often leaves us with a challenging question or a goal for us to try to work towards. And I want to leave you with this. Are you participating in the Great Commission or the Great Omission? Pray about making your first step towards being discipled or discipling someone. Jesus told the disciples that they did not have to do this alone. Discipleship can seem very daunting and overwhelming, and some days we don't know where to start or how to do it. Our hope should rest in the fact that we don't have to have all the answers. We just have to have an obedient and a willing heart. We also have the Lord's promise that He will be with us when He says, Surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Let's stop omitting the greatest marching order Christ has given us and commit to being disciple makers.